so the title of this thing, this is funny because this is a Dave Height thing. Maybe I can bend my knees while I. The title of the sermon today is Standing in the Center of God's Will. So I said last week uh, in the first service, at the end of the service, that I'm actually a pretty simple guy. Um, my life goal really is pretty simple. I'm trying to figure out what God's will is in my life, and then I want to stand directly in the center of that. And everything that I do, although sometimes I go wayward just like everybody else, is directed at that, and I try to remind myself of that image periodically, that really where I want to be is in the center of God's will. You've heard Pastor Dave say it this way. He says, whatever God has for me in my life, I want that, right? And whatever God does not have for me in my life, I don't want that. So that picture of me standing in the center of God's will basically is my way of reminding myself of that. So so here's a common interaction for me. You know, I have nine adopted children. And so when I meet people, especially people that I don't know, uh, you know, the conversation inevitably winds up in this place, and, and, I'll, and I'll run it for you. Here's how it happens. Hi, I'm Ted. How are you? Good. What brings you here today? Great. Yes, those are all my children. Yes, they're adopted. And then the question comes. Here's the question that always comes. I've never met a person that didn't ask me this question at some point. Can I ask why you did that? That always comes every time. And I used to try to explain it. I used to say, well, we adopted a one little girl because my wife had a little girl in her studio that was a little adopted Chinese girl, and she was super smart in my life. My wife really loved this girl, and so when we were starting our family, she said, what do you think about adopting, and et cetera, et cetera. It's, a, it's obviously quite a long story to get to the end of the nine. Usually I would bring something up about Webster in the middle of that. He might not remember this, but at one point he was, I was sitting on the couch, working on my computer. I think I was working on a cabinet print. I can't remember exactly what I was doing. But he has a book that he came with from Shanghai that has pictures of all his little buddies. And he came up and he sat down next to me and he said, he opened the book up and he pointed at Connor, who was in the picture, who we did not have at that point. And he said, Daddy, my friend needs a mommy and a daddy too. Okay. Right, so Webster Webster advocated for Connor. This is why Connor is here. In the background of that picture, there's a little girl standing and smiling, going like this, and that was Mia. And so now Mia is here. And I used to try to explain all of this to everyone, but lately, since since I really don't want to just talk about it for three days, I just say, and and this is the honest truth, I just say, well. It was, it's God's will in my life. And really, that sums it all up. The reason I have those children is it's God's will in my life. And as I just told you, I'm trying to stand in the center of God's will in my life. So I've been saying that lately, I, I guess lately, for the last three or four years when people ask me, why, why did you do that? Because it's God's will in my life. And then sometimes 
it depends who I'm talking to, but sometimes the next question is, well, how do you know that? Right? How do you know that? So, really, that's what I want to get at today. Is it's easy to say, you know, I'm gonna, I want to, whatever God's will is, I want to stand right in the center of that. Is but how do you get to there? What's the path? Uh, how do you know when you're standing there? How do you know when you're not there? It's sort of a nebulous statement, isn't it? It's like, well, how much faith in the Lord do I want to have? Well, more, right? You can't quantify more. It's just a thing, right? More. So what does that mean when you're standing in the center of God's path? How do you do that, and how do you get there? Uh, I think the answer for me is really it started one step at a time. And each time I took a step on the path, sometimes I could see it laid out before me, right? Pretty sure what I have to do. But pretty often I couldn't really see where the path was going. Have you ever been there where you, you feel God's calling and you pick up your foot to take a step and you look down and you think, there's really nothing there. If I put that foot down, is there going to be something there? And then you pick up your next foot. Well, I can tell you that every step along the way and on that journey for me, there has been a firm foundation under my foot. And sometimes... I'd take a step, and four or five of them would light up right in front of me, and then i go, oh, thank God, and i take four or five more steps. And I get to the end, Brandy calls it, checking to see if the door is open or not. Okay? So, when you have a clearly laid out path, that's easy to do, right? I believe, I think this is true, and I think Scripture backs this up, that each one of us has a path that the Lord has set out before us. And really, it's our job to just try to discern what that path is and stay on it. Uh, here's some scripture to back this up. Okay, this is probably, I think they've picked that extra scripture and it was pretty long. Maybe he was afraid there wasn't going to be a lot of scripture in my talk. I don't know. There's quite a bit in here. I'll have to ask him about that when he gets back. So this is from Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Right? There's that word, path. Here's another one. This is, this is from Psalms 25, number 4. Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. That's kind of a prayer, isn't it? Right? That's, that's kind of a, a, a request of God. I think if you say that to yourself enough times, God, just put me on your path. Or the way it's worded here, make me to know your ways, O Lord. I think that prayer will be answered. I think he will put you on the path. All right? Here's, here's the last scripture I have for this section. This is from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. Okay. That's pretty much it, right? That tells you what to do to get on the path. Okay, so what does it look like? How do you know if you're on the right path or not? Uh, I, I'm going to say it like this. Okay, it's not going to be an easy trip, right? It doesn't mean that 
if you're on God's path, that it's all going to be roses and chocolate ice cream, right? There's going to be some things that are really hard that come along the way, right? And so can you, let me ask you this question. Once you've chosen the path that you're on and you run into that difficulty, and then there's some scripture later we'll talk about the evil one's arrows being shot at you, right? Can you stay on the path? Do you feel fickle? Do you say, ooh, I didn't like that. Do you take a step back? Or do you know, no, okay, this is getting hard because the devil doesn't like what I'm doing here and he's trying to knock me off the path, right? Can you recognize that? That's a question. Pastor Dickinson last week, I had a, this is a cool thing for me. I don't know if you guys ever do this, but my kids were all uh, in Portland last week at a fesh. They were dancing, which they did super well. I'm proud of all of them. I was on my own last week. That doesn't happen very often on Sunday, alone time. I know some of you have that a lot. I'm jealous of you people that have that a lot. The grass is always greener. Randy always tells me, man, I'm just by myself all the time. I'm jealous, Randy. I'm jealous, right? The grass is always greener. But so what I did is after the service was over, I listened to Dave's message last week, which I thought was great. And I thought, you know, I can go. I can. It's an early service. There's all these churches. I can go somewhere else and hear another message. So I wandered down the street to the Free Methodist Church into Pastor Dickinson's church. If you haven't heard Pastor Dickinson talk, boy, go down there. That guy is a live wire. He will wake you up. This is, this is the picture that he painted last week. I thought it was a wonderful picture. He says, when you're on God's path or you're in God's protection, it's like being under a huge umbrella, right? Like there's this storm that's going on in the world. It's raining, and there's all that muck coming down, and there's lightning and all this, all this stuff happening. If you're on God's path, you're going to have this big umbrella. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get wet, right? Because as Forrest Gump says, sometimes rain comes in sideways, right? <laughs> right? There's rain that comes in. You can have an umbrella. You still might get wet, but that umbrella is still helping you, isn't it? Isn't it? So obviously you want to stay right under the umbrella and keep it low over your head. Don't raise it up and put it out. You're going to get wet, right? Okay. So here's some of the things that I noticed. That, that And all I can do is share from my heart what's happened in my life about what's happened on this path. So here's some things that I noticed. I am a king worrier. Brandy can attest to this. I worry about all kinds of stuff. Worry is my main sin, right? Like I have that verse posted in my shop that says, do not worry about tomorrow for today's problems are, are right enough for the day, right? Sufficient for the day. And I read that, and two minutes later, I'm thinking about what I've got to do tomorrow. That's just, this is how I'm wired. So one of the things that I've been concerned about all along, and I worry, I think it's maybe, guys, you can identify with this. I worry that I'm going to have enough financial resources to provide, number one, to get through all of this, and number two, to provide for these children. You would not believe how much money it costs us to eat even one meal at home, right? We, it's pretty normal for us. All of There's several of you in here that bring us eggs. Thank you for that. Because when we eat eggs in the morning, we eat two dozen eggs. If you can imagine that. Brandy cooks, once she cooks two dozen eggs, and they're gone. It's not like we save them. 
mostly because of Webster. Okay. Lately, Webster is the, I can't believe how much this child eats. Right? But one of the things I noticed along the way is, although I've been worried about the financial aspect of this constantly the whole time, is that all these obstacles just disappeared. Right? Every time I came up against it, God provided a way. Financial obstacles will disappear if you're on God's path. I, I, I can give you 10 years of examples for that. I'm not going to, if you want to, ask me after the service is over. I, the, some of them are unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Brandy and I have some disagreement as to exactly how much financial burden we've overcome. Suffice to say, it is a staggering amount is a huge amount. I would say it's in the millions. Brandy would say it's only a quarter million because the cash. Okay, whatever. More money than we could have ever come up with on our own. See those little green blinking lights? Some of you that are behind the kids can see those little green blinking lights that are on their heads. Each one of those green blinking lights represents about $110,000 of surgery and device. Okay? So I have... Connor and Webster and Mia and now Lucas just yesterday, Friday, had a surgery. All four of those kids have bilateral implants. That means they have two blinking lights on their head or $220,000 of electronics on their head, all four of them each. So just that right there is almost a million dollars. And Emily's got one on her head. And Sophie's got one on her head, right? Oh, yeah, you see where I'm going with that? It's a huge amount of money. Don't, don't know exactly how that's been possible. Now, the next thing that you'll start to notice when you're on God's path is, you know, some people might call it a coincidence, but a main, impossible coincidences will start to happen all over the place, right? Now, you can call it a coincidence if you want, but at some point you're going to realize this, this is not a coincidence. God is providing for me along this path because I'm on God's path. I could give you hundreds of examples of that. I'll give you two that, that blew my mind. Some of you might not know, when we first got Opal, she was really little. I'm sure you remember that. They told us that she was nine years old, but she only weighed 29 pounds. And she was tiny. I have a picture of her just, just being tiny. And so first thing is we thought, well, she can't possibly be nine Right, so we got to figure out how old she really is, and then second thing we thought is, man, even if she's like five or six, she's really small, even for a five or six. Twenty-nine pounds. Think of that, twenty-nine pounds. Okay. So we decided, okay, we need to take her to see the endocrinologist, the pediatric endocrinologist. So a trip to Spokane comes up, and and I have to say we didn't really make a special effort, but Brandy did call and find out like who's the pediatric endocrinologist that we need to go see. So we go to meet this man. Now, get this. Okay. He is Chinese, right? So oh, that's interesting. He's an Asian. Well, that's good. Well, that's the first thing you know, when you come in the room. My kids will feel more comfortable, right? The second thing is, this is unbelievable to me. He did his, doc, his doctoral thesis on, guess what? The growth rates of Chinese orphans that have been adopted to the United States. Okay. He tells me this, and I think, 
okay. Well, that's good, I think, right? There's got to be the only endocrinologist in the continental United States that did his doctoral thesis on the growth rates of adopted Chinese children, and I have a daughter who needs help from an endocrinologist, and we wander into his office? That's a coincidence? Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. God is providing, right? Here's another one. So Sophie, you may not realize, but she has what I think it's stage four. Is that right? Stage three. See, I got to check because I get things wrong. She has a really big underbite. A really big underbite. She was born with a cleft palate, and a couple fail. So there's other things. But the bottom line is this: there's an entire board of surgeons and specialists that are meant to help children in this situation. Now. The surgeon that we had lined up to do this, so she has to have a facial advance, advancement surgery. Do you know what this is? They're going to break her upper jaw and pull it forward, right, to try to get rid of, yeah, that face she made on her dad. I go, oh, that doesn't sound good to me. I don't like this. But that surgeon all along, like, it's not a big deal. It's outpatient. She'll be fine. And I'm like, you know, this is making me nervous. You're going to break her up? What? Right? I didn't like it the whole time. I was nervous. And then it turns out, he, he, did he leave the board? I want to get this right. He stopped taking our insurance. That's what it is. Okay. Two weeks ago. So we're scheduled. She's scheduled to have her surgery. The surgeon says, hey, you know what? I'm not going to take your insurance anymore, which is like, okay, that's a big problem, right? So what are we going to do? So Brandy goes looking for another surgeon, calls a couple people, gets the name of a guy. She says, okay, I want to go meet this guy because this is a big deal, right? So guess, guess what? Guess what? Imagine this. Is this a coincidence now? Guess what his specialty is when Brandy wanders into his office? Doing facial advancement on kids that had a cleft palate. Right, which is like a very small sector of the doctors that actually do facial advancement. So it's like, wow, okay, that's amazing. Right? Is that a coincidence? That can't be a coincidence. Now, here's a really cool thing. He doesn't take our insurance either. Right? Uh-oh. But he tells Randy, and, I, and I'm going to try to get this right because I don't want to have marital strife later that he has a special heart for the kids that have had cleft palate repairs, and that in our case, he will accept our insurance even though he normally does not. Okay. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? When you're on the path, things will start piling up all around that will make things possible that otherwise were going to be impossible. Okay. I have hundreds of other examples. If you would like to hear more, ask me after the service. Okay. Here's another thing that will happen, and I've noticed this when you're on the path. Your energy and your perseverance will be tested. Okay. Brandy's mom the other day says, you know, I worry about Brandy. She goes 100 miles an hour. You would not believe what her day looks like. It is incredible. Sometimes when I'm laying in bed asleep at 9 o'clock and I know that she's still going, I think, how is she still going? What is happening? But it's day after day after day, 
you're going to get tired and you're probably going to feel uncertain. But ultimately, if you're on the path, a way forward will always be made. Remember the lyrics in that song that we sang this morning, right? From Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? So when you're on the path and you're getting worn down and you're tired, guess what? You're going to get what you need every time. You'll start to get provisions from unexpected areas. Okay, check this out. I get a phone call about three weeks ago from a guy named Paul Akers who owns a very successful company over on the coast, and he says, hey, Ted, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm good, Paul. How are you? He's like, well, look, I'm organizing a trip to Japan. I'm going to take a small group of people. We're going to we're going to meet the president at Toyota Lexus. They've agreed to meet us. We're going to tour the facility there. We're going to go visit some of their vendors. I'm going to send out an email blast to all my friends tomorrow. He owns a huge, successful company. And he said, I know that, like, in the first 24 hours, all those spots are going to be gone. But I wanted to call you and let you know I'm doing this and give you an opportunity, if you want, to go with me. And so I said, why would you do that? That's awesome, right? Because I'm a manufacturer. I want to learn about Toyota. That's great. Thank you for thinking of me. But why would you do that? You know what he said to me? He said, well, I know who you are, and I know what you're all about, and I want to help you because I know that your whole goal is to help other people. Provisions will come your way from unexpected areas. Okay? I've been given a once-in-a-lifetime chance. So, the first week of November, I'm going to Japan. Now, why am I going to Japan? Make a guess. Somebody just out loud. Why do you think I'm going to Japan? Because I think that's where the path leads. That's right. That's absolutely right. I don't know why exactly that's what, If you'd asked me two months ago, hey, you going to go to Nagoya? No. I'm not going to Nagoya. What's in Nagoya? That's where the path leads. Okay. Here's one of the last things, and I'm almost done here. You'll enjoy the fruits of the Spirit more often than the pressures of the world get to you. Okay, so you know what the fruits of the Spirit are, right? They're all, look, on these banners. Isn't this awesome? Maybe you didn't realize this on these banners. But self-control, kindness, peace, patience, goodness, joy, faithfulness, gentleness. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. So while you're struggling on the path and you're worrying like me because I worry, you're going to feel those things. All right. Here's the last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to send you out the door with two questions. We talked some about faith and taking that step of faith. When you're on the path, you will feel the protection of the armor of God. Sometimes things will happen and you'll forget that you had the the armor of God on and blink! You go, whoa, I sure am glad I had that armor on. Here it is from Ephesians. This is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to remain standing. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, I love this, I love this. Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one. That is beautifully written. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right, so when you're on the path, does that mean that everything's going to be all roses and chocolate? No. But when those flaming arrows are flying down at you, blink, whoa, glad I had that, right? All right, I've told some of you this story. There was a guy, okay, I went on this spiritual retreat that Dave is on a few years ago in Walla Walla, and I was super hungry. It was about 5.30 at night. I was on my way home from Walla Walla, and I really wanted to make it to Spokane because I thought I can get Panda Express in Spokane. I love Panda Express. But I was so hungry, I thought, all right, I'm going to stop in Connell. I'm not going to make it. So I went into the subway, and there's one kid standing there making the sandwiches, and I had forgotten that I had it on by a little pin. That was the armor of God that I got in one of the bags on this retreat, this little pin. And so the kid starts making my sandwiches, and he's looking, he keeps looking, he goes, hey, what's that thing? I said, oh, that's the armor of God. Pretty cool, right? And he goes, oh, yeah. What does it do? So he asked me, what does it do? And I said, well, look. It does a lot of things, but like it's shaped like a shield because you know what? When you're going through your life and things start to happen and they're hard, the armor of God will keep all of those hard things from killing you. They're still going to hit you. They're just going to bounce off you. And he goes, oh, well, that's pretty awesome. And I say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he gets done making my sandwich. And he says, do you know, by chance, have you ever met a guy named Ben Boucher? And his wife, Marin. Okay, so Ben and Marin Boucher live in Connell, and they are in charge of the Young Life program in Connell. And I know Ben. Actually, Ben was a chef on that retreat that I was on. And I said, of course I know Ben and Marin Boucher. He goes, oh, they're my Young Life leader. He said, maybe they need to know about the armor of God. And I said, you know, I bet you if you ask Ben, he could tell you all about it. And he goes, man, i got to get one of those pins. That's what he said. I said, you know what, young man? You can have this one. And I took it off, and I gave it to him. Now, flash forward about a month. I see my friend Ben at another event, and he says, hey, did you stop at Subway like a month ago? And I said, yeah, how did you know that? And he says, well, one of my kids come in and said a giant seven-foot-tall redheaded guy gave him this pin that said the armor of God, and I thought that had to be you giant seven foot tall. It is the little exaggeration. 
that young man's name was Tommy. And about a year later, I was fortunate enough to direct one of those retreats, a spiritual retreat for young people called The Journey with Christ. And Tommy showed up as a candidate with his pin still on, which I thought was the most awesome thing ever. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Here are the questions I have for you as you leave today. I hope that you could grab something from this. I'm a guy, I just want one thing, right? Just let me grab one thing. Here's the question. What is God's will in my life? Okay. I hope that you'll spend some time today. Today is your day of rest, right? I hope that you'll spend some time today thinking, what is God's will in my life? All right. And then once you get an answer to that, or maybe even before you totally know the answer, the path doesn't have to be lit up all the way, right? The next question I'd like you to ask yourself is, what steps can I take today in faith that will set me on the path to the center of God's will? Can you do that? You got those two questions in your head? What's God's will in my life? What steps can I take today to set me on the path to the center of God's will? That's it for my sermon. Let's pray, and then we'll play the last song. You'll bow your heads. Thank you, Lord, for sustaining us and providing us your armor so that when the path does get hard to stay on, we'll be protected in all your mighty ways. I'm so grateful and thankful for the fruits of the Spirit that you give us all. And I ask that you would be with each person here today as they try to discern the answer to those two questions that I asked them. Be with us all and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.